My family spent 20 years on the run, fleeing from threats I still struggle to fully comprehend. There's people out there that want to do us harm. We got a phone call saying that your father's thugs were coming to break my legs. Run, Hide, Repeat, the unbelievable true story of a fugitive family and the unimaginable truth of what we were running from. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Today, at long last, some observers would say, marks the start of a public inquiry into foreign interference in Canada. The government announced the inquiry last year in response to allegations that China had interfered in Canadian elections. The scope of the Commission's work, however, will go well beyond China. Catherine Cullen is here to walk us through what we can expect. She, of course, is the host of CBC Radio's The House. Catherine, good morning. Good morning, Matt. This is, as I said, much delayed. The opposition had called for it. The government had said no. Then it said yes. So now that this inquiry is here, what is it actually going to cover? Well, to some extent, we're going to be rewinding the tape. The focus is on the last two federal elections. But the idea is at the end of it that we're going to emerge with a much more broad, uh, detailed perspective on what happened in terms of efforts at foreign interference. The terms of reference specifically mention China, Russia, other foreign states are non-state actors. And this isn't just looking at how those actors might have tried to interfere in those two elections, but importantly, the flow of information within government, how the government handled these attempts to interfere, and the government's capacity to deal with interference, which is, of course, a key question because we don't just want to know what happened. We know we want to know what can be done to prevent this kind of interference going forward. China, Russia, and other foreign states, uh, including India, just last week, the head of the inquiry, Justice Marie Joseph asked the government for documents about India. So what does that signal to you? Yeah, I mean, I do think that that probably caused quite a few folks' eyebrows to shoot up. Um, Not that we haven't been talking about foreign interference from India, but just in a very different way. Of course, if we think back to September, there was that shocking allegation by the Prime Minister. He stood up in the House of Commons and said that there was credible evidence that India had been involved in the killing of a sick activist here in Canada, Hardeep Singh Nijer. Um, so that has expanded the conversation around foreign interference, but we haven't really had an in-depth conversation about India potentially interfering with the democratic process in Canada, interfering with elections. So I think that's certainly going to be an interesting part of this discussion and one to watch. What's this going to mean for relations with those nations? I mean, they've all denied uh, foreign interference, but at, at best, I think you could describe the relation between Canada and China and India as broken or rocky or I mean, put in whatever word you want. It's not particularly smooth. So when you start peeling back uh, some of the allegations of foreign interference and putting the spotlight on them, what could that do to those relations such as they are? I don't see how it doesn't strain them. We had the opportunity to talk to Canada's ambassador to China, Jennifer May, on the House a few weeks ago. She doesn't give a lot of interviews. Mm -hmm. And she was frank. She said, this is going to be deeply uncomfortable for the Chinese government. But she said, as a society here in Canada... We need to come to grips with what is going on. We need to have these uh, discussions, she says, in order to have a constructive relationship with China going ahead. But she's the one who actually has to go in the room, uh, you know, a a small number of Canadian officials, and talk to the Chinese government and say, hey... uh, What's up with the interfering with our elections? I'm sure that's not verbatim, a quote. (laughs) Um, But she acknowledges those conversations are difficult. They vehemently deny these allegations. So I I don't see how um, having these conversations in public over the course of the next several months doesn't further strain these difficult relationships. But to her point, 
Canadians, um, and especially Canadian officials, I think need to confront what is going on here in order to ensure the integrity of our system. How much of this is actually going to be public? One of the reasons why the government was slow, I mean, there are a number of reasons why it it delayed the idea of a a public inquiry, but one was that there were concerns that given how sensitive some of this information could be, that it can't be particularly public. We heard that as well from from folks like Dick Fadden, the former head of uh, Canada's National Spy Agency. So how much of this is actually going to be aired in the public? Well, you're going to get something of an answer or the beginnings of an answer this week because the public hearings this week are focused on specifically that question. How much can be disclosed publicly knowing that there is classified national security information at the heart of all of this? Uh, Justice uh, Commissioner Ugg has said this is one of the biggest challenges the commission will face. So the first few days, today it's sort of setting the table, here's who's involved in the commission. The next couple of days are conversations between national security experts, including Dick Fadden, one of the people who will be speaking. But also later in the week, we're going to be hearing from the current head of CSIS, David Vigneault, uh, Dominic LeBlanc, the public safety minister. And the idea is at the end of all of this, that there should be some sort of consensus or at least enough information for the commission and the commissioner to determine how to have this discussion. That is part of the reason um, that uh, if we can even remember the special rapporteur, we cast our mind back in all the toing and froing of getting to this point. Uh, one of the reasons that David Johnston said that he didn't want to go ahead with a public inquiry mm. was this very difficult question of what can be talked about publicly when you're dealing with such sensitive security information. Conservatives wanted full standing at this. They're not going to get it. What, what's going on there? They're, they're not pleased. Not at all. Now, uh, Conservative MP Michael Chong will have full standing here. He, of course, um, according to reporting primarily from the Globe and Mail, um, was subject to... Canadian authorities had concerns about threats to his family after he uh, um, supported legislation uh, calling China's actions against the Uyghurs a genocide. But the Conservative Party itself will not have full standing, and you can see they're already pushing back. They sent a letter to the Commission just last week saying they're, they remain incredibly disappointed that they won't have this ability to, for instance, cross-examine witnesses. Um, and because essentially their their partial standing allows them to view the same sort of uh, public testimony that everyone else can, they made a point of saying, well, listen, then we're just not going to be there. We're not going to come into the room to sit around and essentially watch TV, see the same public things that everyone else is seeing. Um, you know, y- you won't find us in the room. So there's a definite effort to, to push back on the part of the Conservatives here. There are others who may not be in the room as well. We're going to hear more in just a moment about this human rights action group that has uh, said that in, in some ways this is is uh, a non-starter because of some people who will be involved in this. How, is this starting off on, on a bad foot? I, I think there's no question it's a challenge. And when you look at the whole broader process, if we zoom out on this conversation around foreign interference, you know, credibility is at the heart of all of this. And there was so much push to get to this public inquiry, particularly as the Conservatives said in their letter to the Commission um, from them, certainly if we think about their uh, concerns, attacks, some would say, on the integrity of David Johnston. Um, now that we're finally here, this question of whether this process can be credible because of the questions around what can be spoken about publicly, because of the questions raised by the Conservative Party, because of the questions, as you're about to hear, raised by some human rights groups, uh, I do think that's going to be an important thread to follow through all of this. Um, you know, there there is some shaky footing, but we are also just really, I think, this week going to begin wrapping our heads around what this process truly is. Uh, credibility will be at the heart of it, I think, if we if we want to see 
an important national conversation. I know it's not what's top of mind for many Canadians. Canadians are worried about affordability, but the integrity of our institutions, the integrity of the vote in this country remains an important issue. And it's clear that things haven't been working in an ideal way and that changes need to be made. Are we going to, just before I let you go, are we going to have any sense, and I'm not asking you to, to prognosticate about when the next election may be, that's kind of a national pastime, it seems like, but will we have any <laughs> sense as to what that interference may or may not look like and ways to protect ourselves by the time the next election rolls around? The Liberals have been very quick. They've been pushed on this for, since these allegations have come to light, and we have had by-elections in that time. They've been very quick to say they're not waiting for the outcome of a special rapporteur's report or um, or this public inquiry to take action. So they, they, they've already tried to improve the integrity of the system, um, sort of putting more checks and balances in place. The question of where we are, whether we are exactly where we want to be, I mean, I think it very much remains to be seen. Right now, we're just having a conversation about what we can even talk about. So I would say the answer at this point is very much stay tuned. Uh, Let's see how this process unfolds because it could go in any number of ways. Catherine, thank you. You're welcome. Catherine Cullen, host of The House on CBC Radio 1. Gloria Fong is with the Canadian Coalition for Foreign Influence Registry, president of the organization Canada Hong Kong Link. Gloria, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. People have been calling for this inquiry, as I say, for a long time now. As it gets set to begin, what do you think? What are you concerned about? Well, uh, Michael Chen and Han Dong are alleged by Caesars to have close ties with the Chinese consulate. But our commissioner has granted them full standing. That means they can get access to all witnesses' personal confidential information and all evidence submitted to the commissioner. Many witnesses are therefore reluctant to testify. Both of of those men have have denied those ties. Han Dong um, has said, I mean, he's actually suing the news organization that that said that that he might have ties to the Chinese consulate. What What are you most concerned about? Well, we have to understand that security of information is especially important to Canadians of Chinese origin. If they are known to be critical towards the Chinese Communist Party, their families in China often face persecution. They may lose their jobs or pensions. Their children may be expelled from schools. That is why the inquiry may not hear all the relevant evidence of foreign interference in the present form. And I'm not hopeful that it will provide a full picture of this threat to our national security and democracy. That's why you uh, and other human rights groups as part of this human rights action group are calling on the inquiry to revoke the standing of those those politicians. Han Dong, the deputy mayor of Markham, uh, Michael Chan, and the senator, Yuan Pao Yes, we have submitted our request to the commissioner. Unfortunately, it has been declined. And uh, we are also concerned that the government is stalling the Foreign Inference Transparency Registry. Two NANOS national polls have shown 88% of Canadians support the creation of such a registry. And our allies in UK, Australia and UK have proven that this uh, legislative tool is an effective tool to hold foreign agents accountable. And now that the act has been drafted by the Ministry of Public Safety and our public consultation has been completed, our government needs to get it passed in Parliament without further delay. 
What is the opportunity here? People have, have been calling on the government to take serious action when it comes to allegations of foreign interference. And, and you could imagine there are people who would say that, look, there's a public inquiry. We're going to learn more about what may or may not be happening. Given your concerns, if you put those aside for a moment, what is the opportunity here, do you think? Well, we hope that the government will uh, address the concern of getting the Foreign Inference Transparency Registry passed without further delay before the next election is called. Otherwise, if we wait until the final report of inquiry is due by the end of this year, then, uh, you know, this act cannot be passed before the election. And uh, we also hopeful. Uh, we also hope that the commissioner will address our concern in, you know, modifying the form of the public inquiry to provide more safe space to witnesses, particularly those with family members in China. We'll learn more about that this week, I suppose, as uh, some of the ground rules are laid out. In the meantime, Gloria, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Gloria Fung is president of Canada Hong Kong Link. And as you heard, we'll be watching this inquiry very closely. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart. And for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Marcus Kolga will also be watching. He's a senior fellow at the McDonald-Laurier Institute and founder and director of disinfowatch.org. It's a foreign disinformation monitoring program. Marcus, hello to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Looking at the issue of uh, disinformation, but also of foreign interference, why do we need this? Why do we need, from your perspective, this public inquiry? Look, I, I think that um, a lot of focus has been placed over the past, uh, you know, nearly 10 years on foreign interference and, and the, their efforts to try and uh, manipulate the outcomes uh, of our elections. But um, quite frankly, um, those efforts continue well past elections. There, there are full-time operations. Um, our, uh, these foreign authoritarian adversaries are not waiting for elections to come around to act. Um, and like I said, these are ongoing efforts that they, uh, that they undertake. And, um, and in our democracy, I mean, this is, it's very much the, the human aspect that I think that we've, we've, we've failed to acknowledge. Um, you know, you, you just spoke with uh, a, a very well-known uh, Hong Kong activist, Gloria mm -hmm. Fung. Um, she and her colleagues uh, who fight for human rights, whether it's uh, uh, Hong Kong activists, Uyghur activists, Tibetan activists, Russian, Iranians as well, um, these people, these communities here in Canada uh, are often the targets of foreign interference. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that we have failed to do is, is to um, uh, uh, recognize the threat that uh, they face and, and to protect them. So, um, you know, there are several other aspects beyond elections that we need to start looking at. And I'm hoping that the, uh, the inquiry will, will, will look at those. It's not just China, as we mentioned, that's going to be uh, the subject of uh, this public inquiry. Uh, Russia as well. And a lot of your work is focused on Russia. What concerns do you have about Russia's influence in this country? Look, I, I think we saw uh, Russia's efforts to uh, undermine uh, the U.S. Uh, elections in, in 2016. They, uh, th that, uh, those efforts are, are very well documented. 
Um, and they've continued to do much the same uh, uh, around the world in various other uh, uh, locations, whether it's Africa, uh, South America, but, but here in China, or here in, uh, rather in, in Canada as well. Um, their, their efforts as well, they're ongoing. Uh, they don't wait for, as I said earlier, they don't wait for elections to come around. Their ultimate goal is to um, affect the outcome of our of our public policy. And right now, uh, you know, Ukraine is uh, is probably the most prominent uh, Russia related policy issue mm. that we have. And uh, and we've seen uh, that Russia, uh, its embassy here in in Canada, undertake those efforts to try and erode public support for uh, for Ukraine, uh, but also to uh, attack the critics of, of Russia's policy. And that includes the, the Ukrainian community here in Canada and and other critics of the of the regime, myself included. Uh, I've been a, a focus of their attacks for uh, nearly 10 years now. And so Russia is very much an actor in this space, uh, but again, one that's sort of being overshadowed, I think, over the past couple of years by China's actions. Who else should be part of this scope? I mean, as we heard, um, the the commissioner has called for documents uh, regarding uh, Canada's relationship with India. Um, but who else should be under this umbrella? Look, I think there are a lot of uh, nations that do get overlooked, and and that, that is really because China has been so overt in their their efforts over the past few years. Uh, Iran is one of those countries, uh, and one of those governments and regimes that should be uh, part of the the inquiry's focus. We have a very large diaspora here, and this is it's often through those diasporas, it's you know intimidation, coercion of those diaspora groups that uh, these foreign regimes try to. Uh, uh, affect Canadian policy outcomes. And so the Iranian community is one that is very much vulnerable uh, to these efforts. Uh, you know, you mentioned India. India is, is clearly becoming more active in this space, but smaller countries as well. Um, you know, I think we have a, we don't have a large Cuban diaspora here, but we know that the Cuban government is very much active uh, in, in terms of a uh, uh, foreign influence and intimidation of their diaspora groups. And so I think, you know, you need to look at all of the authoritarian regimes out there. If they have diaspora groups in this country, it's more than likely that they're active in some way or another in, in Canada. So in the, in the last couple of minutes that we have then, what do you hope would come out of this? You can name the names and you can put the spotlight on those, those actors. Yeah. But beyond that, I mean, the people in those communities, and we just heard that from Gloria, but on conversations that we've had in the program with Uyghur activists and with Iranian activists, they know that this is happening. So what has to, what has to follow a public inquiry to nip this in the bud? Look, I think that the government has has taken steps over the past few years to try and defend our democracy against uh, this this sort of interference. It's largely focused on on disinformation. But my hope is that with this in inquiry, the government will realize that um, those efforts are much broader, uh, and that there are uh, vulnerable uh, and a large number of of Canadians who are specifically vulnerable to that. And so, Gloria in her interview mentioned uh, the Foreign Influence Registry. Uh, this is legislation that's already set, it's been written, it's ready to go. Um, the government shouldn't hesitate in tabling this in, uh, this legislation because I think it would receive widespread, widespread political support in, in the House of Commons. Also, there's an overhaul of CSIS that is taking place. And I think the communications between the Canadian government, our intelligence communities, and also these vulnerable communities, that, that really needs to be improved because right now it's it's really just one way, and and that conversation needs to become t needs to go back and forth, 
Uh, and, and the key here is, is the defense of these vulnerable communities, protecting their rights to free expression and protecting them from, from foreign intimidation. That's not happening right now. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that that, that will change uh, uh, in the next year. And to your point, this isn't just about elections. It's, it's about the time that, that, that spans between those elections. Exactly. These, these, these efforts are ongoing full time. Uh, and historically, we, we've known that this has been going on since 1945, when there was a, uh, a, a Russian intelligence uh, cipher clerk at the Soviet embassy who, who uh, defected with uh, a trove of documents and documented dozens of cases of, uh, of Soviet then influence in Canada. So mm. it's been going on for a long time. It's continuing to happen. Uh, and we need to, uh, we need to uh, enact policies to protect those who are vulnerable to it. Marcus, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Marcus Kolga is senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute and founder and director of disinfowatch.org. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.